Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. say that Easter is my favorite day of the church year, and uh, those Easter songs are always a joy to sing. It's uh, great to have each of you here as we gather uh, and worship this special day. Uh, we just sang one of my favorite Easter hymns. Uh, I grew up in a congregation that uh, were singers, and they sung loud, and uh, they sung parts, and, and uh, Easter Sunday especially was always extra special as uh, the college age came back. We had a lot of youth in our church uh, during a period of a couple decades. And uh, there were just all those clans back together for, for Easter. And singing that up from the grave he arose uh, it just uh, was pretty powerful. And, and you look around, there are smiles all over that congregation. And how, how can there help but be that as we sing songs about the resurrection of Christ? I got to preach uh, on Easter Sunday for the first time uh, during my seminary years at a church that was without a pastor, and I was really nervous about that, but also just so excited to preach because the message of Easter is so compelling. And uh, Easter's been that way for me ever since. There's uh, not a day I would rather preach God's Word than, than at Easter. And I hope that you feel somewhat similar today, not that you all want to preach today or it would be a rather long service, but but that the message of Easter excites you and it compels you to want to share it with other people. You know, there are other reasons to be excited as well this time of year. Spring is in the air, and the uh, last couple days have been excellent that way. Uh, and we hear birds singing out there, and the geese are flying overhead. And uh, some of you have cows that are calving. My lilies and uh, irises are starting to peek through. Um, and folks' fear of this coronavirus also seems to be subsiding as well. And people are beginning to make some plans again for graduations and weddings and vacations. And we get excited about those things, and I think we should. But if we really grasp it, the message of Easter should outshine all of those things. All of the rest of those things really are temporary with the seasons. But the message of Easter has lasting implications for all of us, and I do mean lasting each one of the four Gospels that we have in our Bibles uh, give us a, accounts of Jesus' resurrection and each add some interesting details to it. And uh, we've been going through the Gospel of John here during Lent uh, at our church. And, and uh, John's account gives us some extra details of those hours and the days right after the resurrection, including some things that seem to be extra abundant in, in his account. And I invite you to look with me at that. John chapter 20 today. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 20 there. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as we read. John 20 then begins verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran 
and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. And so Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And so the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stood and she looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had, have carried him away, tell him where you've laid him, that I, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned, and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. And so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Let us pause and pray. Lord God, we do thank you for this account and each of those amazing accounts in the Gospels that give us a glimpse of what took place there at the tomb that was empty. And we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to hear and to understand the scriptures, Lord, and that we also would then rejoice in this message today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. One of the first things that I noticed in this text is that there seemed to be a lot of running going on here. Um, as we look at verse 2 and 4 here, we see Mary Magdalene and then Peter and John all running early in the morning. And as far as I know, it wasn't common for people to be on an early morning jog or anything like that then. Uh, and that certainly isn't what they were up to here. They, they weren't jogging. They were running like somebody does um, because of some very unusual situation that has them so excited they can't help but run. Uh, what was the reason for their running that morning? It was the empty tomb. Uh, a tomb that had just days earlier um, had this dead body of their esteemed teacher and friend placed in it, wrapped in grave wrappings that were customary in the Jewish culture of that day. And, and the dead body of Jesus Christ had been placed inside that tomb um, the night before the Jewish Sabbath by a rich man who was named Joseph of Arimathea and 
by Nicodemus. Uh, they were two secret followers of Jesus that were a part of the Jewish council. And there were several women, including Mary Magdalene, who had followed them to the grave, and they observed the body was laid there, and they intended to come back after the Sabbath and, and anoint the body with, with spices. There was a stone that had been placed over the entrance of that tomb at the request of the chief priests and the Pharisees so that nobody could come and steal the body and then claim that Jesus had risen from the grave. And so along with that, then even a Roman guard was placed outside the tomb around the clock. Most of the 12 disciples had gone into hiding, you might say, after Jesus was arrested. They were afraid for their own lives. And John, as far as we know, is the only one of the disciples that had followed Jesus in all the way to the cross and actually seen him die there. But there was no doubt in the minds of any of the disciples or these women that Jesus was quite dead. And he was buried there in Joseph's tomb with a stone in front of it and a guard watching over it. That's why all the excitement this morning, that same tomb was now empty. Jesus' body was gone. But, but the grave wrappings were still there. And, and what could explain all that? Well, Mary had come along with some of the women early in the morning while it was still dark, and she saw the stone was rolled away, and it seems that she must have left right away and went running to tell the disciples. And Peter and John then came running to see for themselves. And Peter, a little bit older, probably a little less in shape, got a bit behind on the trail. And John got there first. And can't you just picture it in your mind? He gets there and he stands right at the entrance of the tomb looking in. And then Peter comes huffing and puffing behind him, plows right into the tomb and sees there what they both saw, the linen wrappings there. Um, and, and this face cloth rolled up in a place by itself. There was a lot of running that went on that morning. And probably a few people that were out of breath. There was also a lot of hesitancy to belief. And Jesus had prepped his disciples concerning all of this and what was going to happen, even telling them that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem, be turned over to the chief priests, and even be put to death, and rise again. But it just hadn't sunk in for these followers of Jesus. And they knew that he could work miracles. They had seen him do some amazing things. And we went through some of them during Lent here, how he changed water into wine, or healed all kinds of diseases, multiplied five loaves and two fish, to feed 5,000 people. He walked on water. He calmed a major storm with just his word and even rose the dead on more than one occasion. But how could one who had died himself raise himself from the dead? That just seemed too hard to believe. So what had happened at the tomb? Well, Mary, having already run back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples, then apparently came back to the tomb. And by that time, Peter and John had left the tomb, gone away to their homes to tell their families something about this. Just what they understood and told them, we don't really know for sure. But it is clear in verse 9 here that for as yet, it says, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Later on, they clearly did come to understand that, and the Gospel of Luke makes that very clear. In chapter 24, after the resurrection, Jesus came to them and, and he said, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and, and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then it says, and then he opened their minds to understand that in the Scriptures. 
And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ, or the Messiah, would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. You know, one of the most amazing things to me about our Bibles is how all of this fits together, um, written over a period of almost 1,500 years by 35 different human authors and so on, yet all fits together to tell this amazing account of how Jesus was going to come to be the Savior, and it points to Christ. Uh, Mark Schmidt, he was here just a couple weeks back, and we had this event called Old Testament Live, and he pointed that out as well. And uh, one of the things that stuck out to me is something we see here in Isaiah 53, uh, written over 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, and yet it predicted details of his death on the cross and telling us things like that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb and so on. In Ephesians chapter 1, the other, gospel, or the other reading today, uh, it reminded us also of God's displaying his power when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus' death and resurrection, that's the central theme of the whole Bible. Jesus had told his disciples, and he tells us who are here today as well, you can trust the scriptures. And the Old Testament spoke much about him, even predicting that he would die and rise from the dead. Well, what happened at the tomb that day? Well, Mary's first guess was that somebody took the body. Maybe the gardener. And that's just naturally where the human mind goes in a situation like this. Hmm, the, the body was dead. That means it didn't move itself. Someone else must have moved it. That's the assumption. Of course, it was a bit odd that if there was a grave robber, that they would unwrap the body before then stealing it and leave the wrapping behind, like Peter and John and Mary saw that day. It's interesting that this theory that somebody stole Jesus' body still circulates even today. And though those who propose that theory don't really think through the details very well, and there is no historical evidence to back up those claims, their best guess, though, was that the disciples had done it. Um, but, but how that could be done with that heavy Roman guard there around the clock, and how the disciples would then later be willing to even die martyrs' deaths for what would have been a lie then, um, is never adequately explained. Unfortunately, there are folks even today, so-called theologians, who don't believe in the supernatural and who choose to believe that it doesn't really matter if Jesus actually rose from the dead or not. But when we look in the writings of the Apostle Paul, we see he sure doesn't have that perspective. He was a, a former Pharisee, a Jewish religious scholar, um, who at one time didn't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, but he had this experience on the road to Damascus where he met the risen Christ, and he came to believe in him as, as Lord. And he says this, if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, then your faith is worthless. Then you're still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. You see, it, it comes down to this. Either Jesus' body stayed dead and was moved, and then that Christian faith is a big hoax, or it really rose from the dead, and then it's all true. Well, let's go back and consider the first witnesses of the resurrection here. Mary, though hesitant to believe in the resurrection at first, came to an absolute confidence that it was the truth. And we see here in verse 16 and following, she hears the voice of Jesus say her name, and she turns to him, realizes who this is, and grabs onto him and says, My teacher. 
And she then left that Easter morning meeting with Jesus and probably ran again for all she was worked back to the disciples uh, and announced to them, I've seen him. I've seen the Lord. He's alive. And she reported those things that he had said to her. Disciples, too, had seemed really hesitant at first to believe in the resurrection. We get the picture that maybe John believed here even that morning as he looked into the tomb, but still puzzled by some of this, went home um, at first. According to the other Gospels, the, the majority of the disciples didn't believe even when Mary came to them and told them about it. They must have thought, that's a woman's imagination or something here. Um, and, and even when Jesus first stood in the midst of the disciples that night, and they, they were huddled behind locked doors, the other Gospels tell us here that they were hesitant to believe in him and thought, yeah, we must be seeing a ghost. Until Jesus showed them the, the scars in his hands and his side. And they believed. Except for one, Thomas, who wasn't there that time, still hesitated to believe, even after all the disciples told him about it, until the next week when he appeared again to them and he saw Jesus' hands in his side, and he believed. We see here then a lot of hesitancy to believe. Even today we see that, uh, even among some who would be religious leaders in the Christian church. Maybe you too, as you think about this, you're a little hesitant to believe in this. To you it seems just a little out there to think of a, of a cold, stiff body rising to life again. It goes against the flow of thinking for educated people today. It goes against the science, right? Resurrection from the dead? Are you some kind of a religious radical out of touch with reality? That doesn't happen. We might need to keep our eye on people like that, we think. This life is all that there is. That's what many think. When you die, it's over, period. Or is there... A resurrection. Some would say, well, maybe it's just a mystical or spiritual resurrection, whatever that means. And yet, as you consider the evidence in the scriptures, it's all over the place in the scriptures. Also, as you consider other recorded history, as you consider the existence of the Christian church around the world today, and as you look around at people who believe, you, like me, also then come to that conclusion there must be something to this Easter message as amazing as it is. You wouldn't be the first uh, or the last skeptic to change your mind and believe the message of Easter is true. I, I think of some examples. I, I've read a lot on this uh, years ago when I was in college. It, it got me excited about this. Um, I think of one was a guy named Frank Morrison. He was an English journalist um, who, who set out to prove that the story of Jesus' resurrection was nothing but a myth. And the more he investigated, he, he ended up changing his mind and he wrote a book um, that was written back in 1930 called Who Moved the Stone? Great title. Then there's a guy named Josh McDowell. Many of you have heard of him. Um, he thought that Christians uh, must be out of their minds. He, he argued against them uh, in, in the late 50s when he was in college. But he was kind of attracted by them as well. He couldn't get away from their, their loving and, and joy-filled lives. And... He set out to refute their beliefs about Jesus. And, and uh, as more he looked into it, more he became the, that the uh, evidence was overwhelming. And he became a Christian. And he wrote a couple of books that are some of my favorites. One of them is called More Than a Carpenter. Uh, another one is Evidence That Demands a Verdict. 
and just excellent resources and apologetics for the Christian faith. Uh, Josh has a son named Sean, who uh, is also a powerful speaker and author, and, and uh, he's going to be speaking just in a couple weeks uh, at our uh, Free Lutheran Bible College uh, at the grand opening for our Student Life Center. I look forward to hearing him there. There's one other guy that comes to my mind uh, you may have heard of, Lee Strobel. He was a spiritual skeptic, a graduate of uh, Yale Law School, award-winning journalist uh, for the Chicago uh, Tribune for 13 years, and his wife became a Christian, and he saw some change in her, but he was determined to, to convince her that really she was believing in a hoax. And being a journalist, he, he did some thorough research, uh, and the evidence he found was so, so compelling that it convinced him the historical truth concerning Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And in 1981, Strobel became a Christian, later became a pastor and an author of several books, including uh, The Case for Christ and The Case for the Resurrection. Um, Lee Strobel will be here in Fargo-Moorhead uh, speaking uh, at Bethel E. Free Church uh, just uh, next weekend for Park Christian School's uh, fundraiser event. Those are examples to me that, that uh, are fascinating to look at as they spend time digging into the details and understanding what must have taken place. Perhaps there's uh, somebody that's listening today that's skeptical about the resurrection business. I, I invite you to take a look at the evidence. The evidence is strong. Um, and, and I would welcome uh, visiting with you about it and, and giving you some resources to read. And I want to just mention there are some tracks even out in the entry in that track rack that are on the resurrection that I think are, are great uh, resources as you think through these things. Well, so far, we, we've noticed in this passage of Scripture a, a lot of excitement and, and running to and fro. We, we saw also a lot of hesitancy to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We also see a lot of joy when they realize the truth. Verse 16 and following there, Mary clinging to Jesus and, and joyously saying, My teacher, and, and then running to the disciples to tell them, I've seen the risen Lord. And, and then there were the disciples themselves, huddled behind the locked doors at first, uh, whose countenance changed that night when Jesus appeared to them in that room. And he showed them his, his scars and his hands and his side and revealed himself, resurrection. And it tells us in verse 20, the disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Wouldn't you too rejoice if your teacher and friend who had died was amazingly alive again? But you know, there, there is even more to rejoice in than that today, and that is this. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true, then that means he is who he said he was. He's the Son of God, and he's the Lord. And that means that his claims to be able to forgive sins um, through his death on the cross are true. And his promise of eternal life, even after we die, is true. And, and there is nothing that can give more joy on this earth than knowing for sure that things are right with God, knowing that even though you have sinned and rebelled against him and messed up badly in your life, yet you can be forgiven of all of that and brought back into a right relationship with your creator God. And knowing that then, because of that, you don't have to fear whenever that time comes for you to die, because eternity follows and you know where you're going. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that because of Jesus' resurrection, our bodies too, even though they die, if we're believers in Christ, we'll be raised from the grave 
at the time of Christ's return to this earth. And that is the joyous message of Easter for all believers in Christ. And not only is this a joyous message for us who are believers concerning ourselves, but it's also a joyous message then concerning our loved ones who have died as believers in Christ. And that is that we will see them again someday. And I think of, in our congregation here, it seems like this last year, uh, we, we lost a number of folks that were regulars here, and, and also many lost uh, loved ones, uh, siblings and parents and so on, uh, to death. But you know, if we believe in Jesus Christ, then for those that have died in Christ, we'll see them again. And I look forward to then seeing someday Walter and Dan and Trudy, Doris and Seg again, and singing praises to the Lord around his throne. Knowing the truth about Easter changes everything. It, it brings joy even in the midst of sorrow. And as we've looked at the Gospel of John during Lent this year, we, we've observed the various miracles that Jesus performed, the various signs that revealed to us just who he really was and is. And we've seen then that he had amazing powers beyond that of any ordinary human or even any extraordinary human ever to walk this earth. And today as we consider the abundant results of his ultimate sign, then his own bodily resurrection from the dead, we see a lot of excitement and running to and fro. We see a lot of hesitancy, you believe, at first. But we see a lot of joy when people realized that it really was true. And one more thing I want to mention today. We, we see a lot of lives changed forever as a result. Think of those timid disciples who had huddled in that locked room after, after the resurrection. They became bold witnesses of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They gave the rest of their lives to getting that message out. Because to them, eternity mattered more than anything else in this life. And, and Jesus was the one who gave them the words of eternal life. Today, as we look around in our world, we, we see a lot of running around. Not necessarily because of the empty tomb, but a lot of scurrying around, busy in all kinds of things in life. Maybe for many, hardly even considering eternity. We see a lot of folks that are hesitant to believe in Jesus and his claims about himself and, and uh, the cross and the resurrection. We see a lot of hesitancy to believe what Jesus said when he claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But we also do see a lot of joy when people come to know a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I think if we stop to look around sometimes, maybe we don't do this much, but to, to take a look around and recognize there are people right here in, in our congregation and people you know whose lives have been changed completely when they have come to personal faith in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Here today, in 2021, over 2,000 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, we still see a lot of lives and eternal destinies changed forever because of the cross of Jesus Christ and because of the empty tomb. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for your word today and, and for the Gospels that, that reveal you, Jesus the amazing Son of God who came to earth in human flesh, lived among humankind, taught and performed amazing signs and miracles, and ultimately then 
willingly went to the cross where your, your word reveals to us that he took on himself uh, the, the guilt and the punishment for our sin. And, and Lord, we thank you that he didn't stay dead, but, but he gloriously rose from the dead. And, and Lord, we pray that you would help each one of us. You know the things in our lives that, that uh, hinder us from faith at times. Uh, but Lord, we pray that you would uh, reveal yourself to us, that you would encourage us today with the truth of your word, and, and that we would put our hope and our trust in Jesus. We pray, Lord, for those around us that don't know him. And we pray that even today, as, as we have pondered this message of, of Easter, that you would also then encourage us to be bold yet in sharing our faith with others, that they too could know the words of eternal life. 